This is part two of this episode for No Lies Radio and BBS. If you want to listen to part one, you can listen to last week's, where we started off this discussion. The views expressed on this show by guests and the hosts on issues outside of the 9-11 controlled demolition evidence are the opinions of those individuals alone and do not necessarily reflect those of architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth. Let's just go ahead now to clip four. Uh, where is that? Here we go. Why did the Twin Towers crumble the way they did? How did they remain standing for so long? One of the innovations was making the external walls the primary support for the towers. These outer columns, tied closer together than was normal at the time, could withstand the impact of a Boeing 707. Though the plane would destroy some of the columns, the building would still remain standing. If you look at the construction of the World Trade Center towers and you look at the photos of them, they had very closely spaced exterior columns. And when the aircraft hit the buildings, it, it largely created... Um, a massive amount of debris and fuel being spread across um, the floors that were impacted. And what this did, it not only spread fuel um, to start fires much more broadly than you would uh, typically in a building fire, but it also stripped off what we call the, um, the fire protection materials on the steel columns. And um, when that got stripped away, that um, increased uh, the ability of the steel to be exposed to heat, so it softened. And what that means is as it became heated, it couldn't carry as much load as it could when it was cooler. All right. Now, I think it's in this segment that they show, they're showing diagrams of the internal workings of the buildings. They're talking about the Twin Towers, but they're showing you a diagram of World Trade Center 7. Probably an honest mistake on the producer of this film's part. Things like that happen. I know if that we did that, people would be going nuts. They'd be crucifying us. You'd have people writing in all capital letters, the people who don't like us. Debunked! AE 9-11 Truth debunked! You have the wrong picture there! So it's kind of a double standard. They jump on anything they can. If I clear my throat at the wrong moment, they read something into it. But what they're trying to do here is ignore the fact that the Twin Towers had a core structure. And this would have also provided resistance. Of course, it would have slowed the top block down as it fell. Now, don't forget, this claims that this top block acted as the pile driver, crushing the whole building down to the ground. But a Graham McQueen, Tony Zambodi wrote a paper on this, The Missing Jolt, that doesn't decelerate. Doesn't decelerate. NIST even admits itself that the towers fell essentially at free fall. So there's not really a dispute here when it comes to us and NIST on that point. And they bank a lot on this idea of jet fuel and raging fires, but keep in mind, a lot of that jet fuel was spent in the fireballs that erupted from the sides of the building when the plane sat. Kamal, any comments? Well, I, you know, it's, uh, 
I think it's laughable, actually, the, the theories that they're putting forth as far as the uh, towers go. The core definitely provides a huge amount of support for the structure and the exterior skin of the, of the building as it is designed is designed to be redundant and, and carry the building after it gets punctured as, as the plane punctures it. So in order for the building to collapse with the top being a pile driver, let's assume that the building is collapsing from the top as, you know, as they're claiming to, to, for it to, be, to happen. Then how does the rest of the building collapse? How does it drive the entire building down if that's the problem there? And... You know, there, there's mention there that all the columns have to have uh, carefully planted explosives and, you know, all that good stuff in order for this thing to happen, which is, they say, has, you know, is with all the scrutiny and all the security couldn't have happened. But, you know, with, with the towers, it, it's possible for the core to be actually uh, planted with carefully planted explosives, and if you take a, a good portion of the core out, you could actually get the building collapsing that way. So it's not um, beyond uh, logic that this could actually happen if there was, you know, if if, if it was planned that way. Right, which indeed it was. Uh, Kent? Uh, well, uh, what we conceptualize that type of building as nowadays is a, a bundled tube. I mean, it has an exoskeleton and an endoskeleton, and uh, the core disappeared as well. <laughs> yeah. How did that happen? How did that happen? You know, 110 stories of core, huge 36-inch columns that just disappears at free fall. You know, it just does not hold up at all, even to the most cursory examination. So what uh, Miss McAllister and the other people at NIST have done is they have, they're trying to indoctrinate people with what I call scientism uh, as opposed to science. No, that's right, and I don't know if they've said this like directly, but the public has gotten this idea as if these buildings were two uh, paper towel tubes just sitting there, and they think that the floors would just kind of pancake, which NIST throughout the pancake collapse scenario, so a lot of these debunkers and people like uh, Mike Shermer, I saw him do this at a public talk, and I called him out on it, and I didn't, expect, I didn't go there expecting to get any public confrontation with Michael Shermer, but he was just wrong on the official story he was defending. Most of these people have no idea what they're even defending. They're just sort of piecing it together. I mean, there were years ago, Nova had a graphic of the Twin Towers coming down, and they say that the towers uh, pancaked, that the floors pancaked on each other, and they show the floors hitting each other, and there's the core structure, and they're coming down the core structure hitting each other, pancaking, but the core structures are still standing. It's like records on a spindle. And that all looks good in a video game that Nova comes up with, but that's not what happened in real life. you got to look at the videos and see what actually happened. There was no core structure still standing at the end. So a lot of times when they're putting this together, trying to understand what NIST is saying and what we're saying, if they bother to try, they don't even put it together accurately. And again, I'm not going to beat up on the people who designed these pieces too much. 
especially if you're not fixating on this every single day like uh, the people who are interested in this, the interested parties are. But it just goes to show you how the public is so misinformed and really doesn't have a lot of information, and that's why they do these things, like throw these numbers at you and create these puff pieces, this appeal to authority, because when you actually peel away what they're saying, it's clear they aren't making any logical sense. All right, clip number five. The World Trade Center towers were attacked with approximately 185 tons of aircraft, carrying 75 tons of jet fuel. Though the structures seemed to withstand the impact, the explosions and the subsequent heat from the burning jet fuel were beyond its limits. The nearly 2,000 degree temperature would eventually take its toll. All the failure occurred at the aircraft damage level and above. And once that tipped a little bit and started to come down, then the rest of the building failed. And some people questioned, oh, I saw puffs of smoke or something as the building was collapsing. Well, think about it. As each floor is starting to collapse down, all the drywall and all the things that are in each floor level is getting pushed out sideways. All right, so they're making reference to the squibs, which are far below the collapse line of the Twin Towers as they're coming down. You can see the collapse, alleged collapse, happening up here. I know nobody can see me, but I'm holding my hand up. <laughs> and you see the squibs happening down here. And when you look at them, you can see these are not just puffs of air being pushed out of the windows because of a piston effect, which they've tried to claim. I haven't heard them make this claim in years. Maybe they'll dust it off in hearing this broadcast. But there's building materials in these squibs. All right, and again, far below where any action is happening high above. Also, they make reference to how the damage started at the top of the Twin Towers, as if a top-down controlled demolition is just an impossibility. It never, ever happens, when in fact it does happen. You can see examples of it on YouTube. Now, the reason, of course, you'd have to do a top-down controlled demolition on the Twin Towers, because if you're trying to deliberately demolish this building, and, of course, uh, you don't want people to know that you're actually demolishing it. You want to make it look like a natural thing that happened here to fit into the story that you're going to be pushing to the American public and selling us wars and loss of civil liberties on. You're going to choose top-down controlled demolition. I think we can all establish the argument is about whether or not this was a deceptive event. If you're being deceptive, you're going to pick the mode that is the way that it can help you carry out that deception. So the fact that she's talking about the action starting at the top and this is somehow evidence of something, yeah, when you're trying to fool the American public, of course they're going to pick something. If it happened from the bottom, I mean, this would probably be still pushing an official story that doesn't make any sense, even more so, uh, but there'd be a lot more people questioning this because it wouldn't have made any sense. It made even less sense. Kamal, your thoughts? Yeah, I'll just say a couple of words and then i got to run i'm sorry but um so yeah i mean this is a a beautiful hollywood production as i'm talking about the actual demolition of the towers the destruction of the towers it's it's very well done i must say and and um it creates this believability that how the buildings what they how how it looked at the top first was hit and then the hole was created and the the top of the of the Towers started tilting, and then all of a sudden, the whole thing just drove down perfectly. That's an awesome, I think it's an awesome production. How they did that is, I, I must say, <laughs> my hat's off to whoever put that show together. And, uh, you know, it, it's 
it really did its job. Kent? Yeah, nor does uh, <clears throat> she mention among all the people that they've interviewed uh, and all of the reams of documents they have reviewed and possibly read, um, she doesn't mention William Rodriguez, the uh, maintenance and physical plant uh, engineer who uh, has testified to anybody that will listen, let alone uh, us. I mean, you know, he has testified, and it's on, it's on the record, that there were explosions in the basements where he was of the, of the North Tower that was definitely before the plane impacted that tower. Um, how do they explain that? They don't. They just ignore it. Well, again, it's not part of the evidence that they're cherry-picking. It's not part of those numbers that they flash in front of you beforehand. So I don't care about the numbers that you give me. I care about conclusion you came to from that evidence and how much it makes sense or doesn't make sense. And, of course, when your conclusion is wrong, it doesn't matter what you look at. They should be looking at more. They should be looking at less pieces and more significant evidence. And it's interesting, Kamal says about how they put together this Hollywood production and this hit piece. There's actually Hollywood movies that get the whole concept right, where NIST gets things wrong. I remember there was a movie, I can't remember the name of it, where an airplane clips the top of the Washington Monument, the top of it falls, crushes a little bit of the way, but then destroys itself. Uh, I know it's a different kind of building structure, but the physics are pretty much the same. I think it's also in Wonder Woman, where now, she's a weapon herself. She f crashes into the top of a building. The top of it comes down and crushes a little bit, but also destroys itself. Terrible movies, both of these, but at least on that point, they get something right. Is that uh, this is what would happen. Reese McAllister is no Wonder Woman. She might be a very good NIST employee, but she is not a Wonder Woman, and she has a legitimate PhD. I respect that. I don't respect the fact that a legitimate PhD in materials, I think is what her doctorate was in, um, actually can say these things with a straight face. Well, part of the job is PR in any job. I mean, I was a customer service rep, and sometimes you had to you had to explain things that didn't make any sense to people. This was for an insurance company. Luckily, I'm not in that business anymore. But, you know, obviously it doesn't make any sense, but you try to whiz-bang people and explain it in such a way that you're actually helping them and, and not uh, robbing them of money that they uh, were owed there. But that's a discussion for another day. Uh, and I know Kamal has to go at this moment, so we're going to let him go. He's a very busy guy, but thank you, Kamal, for coming on. I'm going to ride this in until the end here because we got one more clip, and then uh, we're going to share some final thoughts here between me and Kent. Uh, so let's go ahead and play the last segment of this this piece here. Do you understand what's in, uh, required to do controlled demolition? What you'll see is you have to go around each column, you know, the vertical members that are holding the building up, and very carefully prepare them. You have to pull everything away. You've got to sometimes make cuts into the members, and you've got to put materials and explosives next to them. You've got to do all this on a number of the columns with nobody noticing, with nobody being aware. And these buildings were occupied and under surveillance and security 24-7. So um, one, the chance of that happening, you know, was just unrealistic. 
And two, there's absolutely no evidence that anything like that took place. Right, nothing sneaky ever happens in history. I mean, you know, if you're going to hijack airplanes on September 11th, you got to get box cutters on, you got to get past airport security, you got to get funding, you got to operate and train. Actually, well, they, you know, they acknowledge that all that happened. But anything further, anything further that challenges their final conclusion could just not be happening. Nobody ever does anything sneaky. But again, this is just another terrible unscientific argument that just completely tries to ignore any evidence showing that the buildings were brought down with demolition. Dismissing facts by just saying, no, it could never happen. It's like, imagine this scenario, and I may have said this before on the show, but imagine you got some rich person who lives in a big mansion surrounded by a really big iron gate. All right, and they got guards stationed all over that gate. And then one day, this rich person is found dead. Now, you're a forensic analyst here. You do an analysis of their body, and you find that the evidence shows that they were repeatedly shot in the back of the head 20 times, and that the gun had to be reloaded twice during this process. But then the rest of the police come in, and they go ahead and they rule it a suicide. Uh, even though this is forensically impossible from what you see here, and they use the excuse, well, how could someone have gotten into this place? It's well guarded. It's just, I mean, somebody would have seen somebody coming in. How, you know, this guy can't be a murderer. He was in here alone the whole time. Well, that's not what the evidence shows, and that's really the crux of this. So, regardless of her speculation, that's all it is. Speculation on how it was done, how it would have had to have been done, it's just not possible. That is not scientific. Miss McAllister, not scientific at all. And just like in that scenario, how how well guarded the mansion is becomes the excuse for not looking into the death any further. That's what they're doing here with the World Trade Center. Anyway, Kent, your thoughts? Well, and it's a well-known uh, principle of uh, uh, work that is supposed to not be publicized uh, to compartmentalize that information. It's a need-to-know basis. For instance, uh, another Manhattan project, uh, the uh, atomic bomb in World War II, was uh, there were about 140,000 different people that worked on some aspect of it, and they kept that secret very well. None of them knew. I don't think that it would be terribly difficult, um, and I'm not saying how it happened, uh, or anything else, but I don't think it would be terribly difficult to plant explosives and thermitic devices, uh, materials, uh, in the core of those buildings. It's just not. It's 110 floors, so what? You just ride the elevator cars <laughs> up, get on top of it, just like a, you know, uh, you do with a freight elevator, and you go up one, one floor at a time. Uh, it wouldn't take that long, I don't think. So <clears throat> there was only uh, thermitic explosions, the, uh, thermitic uh, materials in the dust. And she claims that there's no evidence. Well, yes, it's all around. It was all over Manhattan, uh, two inches thick. There was evidence of active thermitic materials. And it's in a Niels Harris, uh peer-reviewed paper. It's never been refuted whatsoever. That plus the uh, byproduct of thermitic explosions, uh, which were the iron microspheres. There were 
billions of them. So they didn't look. It wouldn't support their foregone conclusion, their story that they wanted to tell, that they spent a lot of money telling. So, And as far as it being a black box, it certainly is a black box. It's like uh, Building 7 is a black box. We have submitted a very detailed, very thorough request for corrections to NIST uh, for Building 7. And they took as long as they possibly could to get back to us. This was uh, Ted Walters' well-written, well-researched uh, request for corrections, and they didn't even look at it, I don't think. Uh, they put a PR person out again on the very last day uh, to um, basically blow us off. That's not the way science is done either. Right, and that's basically the essence of it. This argument that, oh, it would have taken this kind of work so it couldn't have happened, as if nothing sneaky ever happens in the world, as if if somebody wanted to go work for the government at a very high level, that they uh, they don't have to go through an entire background check. Uh, why? Because espionage happens. Because people do some pretty sneaky and bad things. That is why. When you overlook evidence that something happened and just dismiss it and saying, I don't see how it could have happened, well, that's not really your job. Your job is to present what actually did happen, a forensic analysis. And, of course, this story doesn't make sense, any logical sense. It's provably wrong. False data and all of that. Controlled demolition is what happened. It's the job of the government to figure out how it happened. Well, first, of course, our job is to get the government to acknowledge what's right in front of their faces. Now, we are at the end of this, and I'm not going to turn this into an hour and a half episode here, um, but there's an article also that just came out, well, I say just came out, it came out around the anniversary on NIST's blog called 20 Years Later, NIST World Trade Center Investigation and Its Legacy, and it's written by Shyam Sunder. There's not much of any significance in this article when you look it over, uh, and maybe we'll discuss this more in future pieces, whether it's on Freefall or in another medium. But why were they doing this around the 20th anniversary? Well, one answer, of course, is probably because it was the 20th anniversary. Uh, but also, too, and I'm sure our audience is aware that uh, AE911 Truth was almost on HBO as part of Spike Lee's documentary and like for instance here we have the the article from Cheyenne Sunder being published on August 18th four days before the air date of the first episode of this docu-series and Spike Lee was interviewing Cheyenne Sunder as well so they knew that this was coming out so basically this may have been a preemptive defense against whatever attention would have come this way because of that series and of course you have that piece that we spent this entire hour analyzing as well. So they are scared. They are scared the fact that they're going through this effort, this very sloppy effort, to try to reinforce this in the minds of people. I mean, folks, most comments that I see regarding 9-11 videos, just mainstream 9-11 videos on YouTube, are questioning the official narrative. In the minds of most of the public, I would say they've overwhelmingly lost because even if people are just questioning it, not ready to commit, we've still won. We've still done our job there, but we got to push it over the top. So it was fun breaking this down. Uh, we've got like a minute left, Kent. Any final thoughts? Well, um, I think that they were coming out 
uh, like you said, uh, preemptively with Cheyenne Sunder's uh, blog post. And uh, he was aware that uh, Spike Lee was intending to have a half hour devoted to our group and the World Trade Center disaster. So it was a way of giving a, a booster shot, basically. Uh, and that's what uh, Ms. McAllister's uh, piece is all about, too. For people that don't read, for people that just watch MTV and whatnot, I don't want to cater down to be patronizing at all. Uh, these kids are smarter than we give them credit for. And uh, when they're patronized in this way, uh, it's really an insult. It's an insult to everybody. Also, I just want to let our audience know, I requested equal time for AE911 Truth. Said Roland Engel, our CEO, would be ready and raring to go to uh, be interviewed for an equal time segment presenting our side of it. I that's what I sent to NBC LX. I didn't say it that way. and put it in a little bit more polite terms. But uh, <clears throat> I still haven't heard back from them. So we'll see if we hear anything back. Well, Kent, thank you so much for taking the time today. And much thanks to Kamal. And thanks for coming on Nolan Freefall. Well, thank you very much, Andy. And thank you, Kamal, if you can hear us. <laughs> um, it's been a real honor. And we have to do these things. We have to fight... Uh, the propaganda with the tools that we have, which are the facts, and uh, it's always an honor to do it. This program is on every Thursday night on No Lies Radio at 10 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Pacific, and every other Sunday night on BBS Radio at 8 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock Pacific. You can also keep track of the archives by going to 911freefall.com. Zany Steele, say a great week. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs>